This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. And thanks also to Brew Ninja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day-to-day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance, so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to GetBrewNinja.com and using the code BrewNinja21. Before we get started, just a friendly reminder that abstract submissions for the 2021 Master Brewers Conference have been extended. If you ran trials at your brewery, if you did something innovative, experienced a major victory, or just solved a problem that another brewer might benefit from hearing about, why not put together a poster or a presentation for the next conference? I can't wait to see what you come up with. Maybe we can even talk about it here on the show. Check the show notes right now for a link on how to get started. Yes, in the end, we found a a, a typical um, pattern of deterioration. This was really more or less the first time that we saw concentrations yeah, close or above the, the other threshold of, of cariflin and humulin. This week on the show, our friends at Hopsteiner continue to unlock the secrets of New England IPA. Uh, hi, my name is Christina Schmidt and I'm a food chemist and work for Hopsteiner in the Hallertau region uh, here in Germany. Hello, my name is Martin Bindel. I am head of the R&D and analytical department of the uh, German side uh, of the Hopsteiner company located in the Hallertau. We had Dr. May on the show back on episode 104 to discuss the hidden secrets of New England IPA, which he first presented during the 2018 Brewing Summit and subsequently published in the Master Brewers Technical Quarterly. Today, we're talking about sort of the next step in that line of research. Talk about the differences between the 2018 analyses and what you've published here in 2021. Okay, that's indeed, this is a kind of follow-up to the study of my colleague, John Paul May. And it was after his talk at the I don't know, was it an MBAA or ASPC meeting? Both. It was a brewing summit, and that's the year where they both come together. Yeah. It was a summit. Okay, okay. So uh, I was uh, 
also part of the crowd and and indeed some people ask him why didn't you analyze the hop aroma compounds i remember that question <laughs> i remember oh. when someone asked that <laughs> okay. and uh, and uh, at that time in the yakima lab they didn't have this uh, sophisticated equipment to run this analysis uh, only they only did hblc analysis They analyzed myrcene because the concentration was rather high in these types of beer, but no other compounds. And then the idea was born to 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 run this follow-up study. And uh, my U.S. colleagues uh, helped me to approach breweries uh, and ask them to send some samples for this uh, aroma compound study to Germany. And we had already uh, established the the yeah the. the a suitable uh, analysis method here. Okay, so we also know from another conversation we had with Dr. May way back on episode four that the standard IBU test is totally worthless when evaluating dry hopped beer. Your paper mentioned a relatively new method for evaluating bitter compounds in dry hopped beer. Talk about that. Okay, now this is a, and this is a, let's, let's say this is the, the analytical answer to this problem, uh, we have now a method uh, recommended by EBC and by a ASBC to measure humulinones and alpha acids in beer as well. So far, we only had recommended methods for measuring the iso-alpha acids in beer or some uh, modified uh, uh, hydrogenated uh, iso-alpha acids. And now, this is new, we have uh, an additional method. Uh, bitter compounds in dry hop beers. And this, this was based on an international collaborative trial. The Shellhammer Lab also participated in this collaborative trial. And this allows for measurement of iso-alpha acids plus humulinones plus alpha acids. So if okay. you know their concentrations and you know their bitterness contribution, uh, you can better describe the perceived or the expected bitterness of a beer. Okay. All right, getting back to um, the work you did here in this paper. So uh, the analysis uh, for this work focused on a set of six commercial New England IPAs. What can you tell us about those beers and how they were chosen? Were these well-known or perhaps award-winning brands, or were they selected for some other reasons? Um, these uh, samples, as I told you, maybe one or two of the people we, we met at this uh, Brewing Summit conference uh, volunteered to send samples at once, and some others were approached by by my U.S. colleagues. And these okay. were beers from larger breweries, uh, beers from smaller breweries. And okay. in the end, um, we we agreed on uh, not sharing any details about the recipes in any paper. Okay. So we know a little background so that we could really see that this is a, a typical New England IPA uh, recipe. We got some information, but uh, uh, they, uh, the agreement was that this is not, not, not shared in the end in, 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 any, in any publication. Yep. But we, we could verify in the end that uh, these are typical or we covered a, a typical range of New England IPAs. Okay, that makes sense. Um, n knowing that you obviously you can't um, speak about specific beers, but uh, did you observe a wide variation in the recipes and processes for these beers, or did the production methods have more similarities than differences? 
they they work quite quite different. Uh, uh, the the hop additions was from 0.7 kilogram per hectoliter up to 2.2 kilogram per hectoliter. Um, yeah. Uh, the hop varieties were were different. So the the main difference was also um, looking at the hop varieties used for the brewing uh, procedure. Okay, so they were they they varied widely. A wide range, and in every beer we had at least three different varieties, up to okay. five different. And just to translate the um your your grams per hectoliter into pounds per barrel, I believe that we're talking five. something in the range of like five, uh, no? one one point eight to up to five pounds per barrel. Does that yeah, sound about yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I think two two kilogram per hectoliter is five. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, did you observe any other um, sort of uh, common themes in terms of the way these beers were processed or hopped? Um, for example, um, you know, the timing of the additions or, or anything like that? In, in every case, there was hop addition during active fermentation. Uh, so only a very low hopping rate uh, uh, during wort boiling or at the beginning of word boiling or during word boiling, then always a, a higher portion uh, whirlpool hop, hopping. And then uh, always in every beer, in every recipe, you had a, a hop dosage during active fermentation. Okay. All right. Um, and, okay, and well, let's maybe, describe the... Can I add some, one point? And, uh, and in, in, in every brand, there was meat or oat uh, adjunct uh, present. Okay. So no all malt beer, but uh, wheat or oat. Okay. All right. Uh, either wheat or wheat malt or, or oat flakes. Or maybe both. Or maybe both. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's describe the key aroma compounds you evaluated as well as what you hope to achieve by doing so. Um, yes, we have a, a longer list of hop aroma compounds, and the first and uh, most familiar um, is the linalool, uh, one of the terpene alcohol. But we also investigated um, the amount of geraniol, the beta citronellol, and the terpenol. Um, we also looking at the monoterpenes and the sesquiterpenes, like for example, myrcene um, is a key aroma compound uh, known from different beer styles, but also for the caryophyllene and humulene. There are also esters and ketones. For the hop-derived esters, uh, we looked at, for example, the 2-methylbutyl isobutyrate and the 3-methylbutyl isobutyrate. And uh, we had also um, the analyzed um, the thiols, but not uh, in our lab. It was an external uh, lab which looked at the amounts of the thiols in the beers. Our friends at the VLB, right? Exactly. Um, okay. Well, uh, let's get into that. Let's get into the terpenes first. Let's, let's talk about those uh, results. What can you tell us about that? We observed a huge amount of the terpenes. Uh, it was very um, the highest, the highest amount we ever observed in in the beers. We looked often at uh, dry hop beers, but for example, uh, one beer um, we can detect uh, more than uh, twenty thousand uh, ppb of myrcene in this beer. 
which is uh, a huge amount of this. And, and just for some perspective, maybe talk about how that compares to its sensory threshold. Um, the sensory threshold um, is described in literature in a range between 9 and 1,000. But in, in our sensory panel, we observed that about 100 to 200, you can uh, detect the myrcene in the beer. So this is, um, you have uh, 100 more than uh, the um, other threshold is um, described. Okay, so quite a lot. <laughs> it is, um, yeah. It's massive. All right. Okay, what else? Uh, anything else interesting with the, with the terpenes? Um, we also observed high amounts of the caryophyllene and humulines, um, humulene, which um, is known to have a high order threshold. For example, for the beta caryophyllene, we have uh, concentrations um, up to 240 for the order threshold, and for the humulene, uh, about 700 ppb. And in one of the beers, this was uh, a beer number three, we observed 1,600 ppb for caryophyllene and um, 2,261 for the humulene. This was also new for us, um, such a high amount. Did it break your instruments? <laughs> Not really. We, have, we had to dilute uh, the beers. Um. <laughs> well, but um, this was really more or less the first time that we saw concentrations uh, yeah, close or above the, the order threshold of, of caryphylene and humulene. So this, this didn't happen before. Yeah. Okay. All right. Talk about uh, what I believe you refer to as the recovery rate. In other words, how much of these compounds were in the liquid versus the haze? So of course, we had expected that the nonpolar compounds are, are bonded uh, or absorbed by the haze. And therefore, this was uh, yeah, a, 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 a logical question or uh, to investigate uh, how much is really dissolved and how much is absorbed in the haze. Therefore, we, we uh, centrifuged the beers uh, at 3,000 rounds per minute for 15 minutes. And then we analyzed the, the, the supernatant, the, the liquid phase. And we were surprised uh, that we uh, analyzed uh, still high concentrations of uh, these uh, non-polar terpenes and sesquiterpenes. Also, their uh, reduction uh, was uh, in the range of 80%. So recovery rates were about 20%. It was 15% for myrcene and about 20% for beta caryphylene and alpha-humulene. But nevertheless, the, 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 the absolute concentration was still very high in the liquid. So part of these compounds seem to be really uh, also present in the liquid phase, not only in the haze. Okay. Uh, Christina, you mentioned uh, beer number three earlier. That was a sample that was um, extremely high in myrcene, beta-caryophylline, uh, humulene, uh, whereas some of the other samples may have been high in one category but low in others. What can you tell us about sample number three? Did it simply have a much higher hop dose rate than the other samples, or was there perhaps something else going on there? Oh, I don't know, Martin. Do you know something more about the the sample number three uh, regarding the the recipe? Was it um, not, a higher not dosage? Really. No, we, we. I tried to. Of course, I, I I looked at the data and tried to find some correlation between 
hop variety or, or hopping rate, but I, but I didn't find a, a, a clear con conclusion. Of course, this is more, more on, the, on the higher, uh, higher hopping end. Uh, okay. But as I said, also were also high in, in, in hopping rate, but but lower in these concentrations. Okay. So it's it's not just a correlation between uh, amount of hop addition and uh, these uh, nonpolar compounds. Right. Um, did the um, I don't know if you have sensory data on on these or not, but uh, if you do, you know, did that no, beer? No. No, you don't. Okay, not, not really. Of, okay, of, maybe, maybe no. Sorry to interrupt you. Maybe you you you, uh, you 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 complete your question. No, no, no. I, <laughs> that's fine. I just was curious if you know number three, you know, jumped off of the off off of the chart sensory wise as well or not. You know. No, and this is what why I said. Of course, we we we, but only we two. We, in most cases, we only got. Three, beers. three bottles or so. Right. So mm -hmm. one for start starting so one analysis. For Gina, one for you and no, one for analysis. No, that's that's the problem. <laughs> we wanted to perform a stability test as well. So we did uh, analysis after three and six months of storage. So we had two bottles uh, uh, for storage trial, and uh, the the first bottle was always shared between analysis and Christina and me. And so we okay. we, we smelled them. And Christina, would you like to describe the impression? But this is maybe also interesting because for, for, for me or for us, this there was not much distinction between the, the beers. It was always typical New England IPA, but maybe, Christina, you can give more uh, detailed uh, feedback on that. You forgot to mention the VLB. They also wanted to have a sample. So that's not only for us. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, yeah, we observed the, the main categories we, we could observe uh, were the citrusy and the fruity impression. So it was so uh, so strong that all the other impressions maybe a little bit spicy or herbal, but not um, as you would imagine if you see um, the, the numbers uh, of the monoterpenes or ses sesquiterpenes. So they were fruity and citrusy, and that was uh, the main thing we, we could uh, smell and taste. Maybe John, and this is maybe disappointing to a certain extent. There is no co clear correlation, I would say, between sensory impression and uh, aroma analysis uh, data. But yeah. this is very often the case, especially with uh, with order. Uh, uh, um, it's it's very difficult to it's to, see, to to see this clear correlation, and this is because you have here, of course, you are above the threshold, so everything it's it's much it's too much but uh, and you have uh, uh, synergistic or additive effects and so on and this makes it so complicated coming up this is a beer without with a, with a single hop variety uh, without any thiols, and the, the feedback was, yeah, fruity, fruity, typical New England IPA. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas.
there's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com mbaa. This episode is also sponsored by More Beer. Visit morebeerpro.com to browse ingredients, equipment, and more. Master Brewers Podcast is brought to you by RAR North Star Pills, a new base malt to set your compass by. RAR North Star Pills is crafted for brewers looking for a domestic Pilsner malt with low color and low modification. North Star Pills carries overtones of honey and sweet bread, supported by flavors and aromas of hay and nutty character. Suitable for any beer style, but particularly craft-brewed versions of classic lagers. Let RAR North Star Pills guide your craft by visiting bsgcraftbrewing.com or contact us at 1-800-374-2739. There's one more sponsor I should mention, and that's Fermentice, a global supplier of active dry yeast. You can listen to Kevin and Marcelo talk about the shelf life and performance of active dry yeast on episode 93. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. June 15th, there's a Master Brewers webinar titled Brewing with a Social Mission, Bringing Peace Through Prosperity. There's another webinar June 24th on the topic of minerals and brewing water. July 20th, join John Harris, Kevin Davey, and Andy Morrison for a webinar called Cold IPA Defined, a Deep Dive with the Creators. And the Master Brewers Brewery Maintenance Systems course starts August 15th. I really hope we get some in-person district meetings on the calendar soon. There's one big meeting that's on my calendar. I hope it's on yours. The 2021 Master Brewers Conference will be October 28th through the 30th in Cleveland. And don't forget the world-famous Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course begins October 31st. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Master Brewers offers a wide range of resources for breweries of all sizes and stages. Stay current on the latest scientific advancements, technical information, and industry trends by joining Master Brewers. Join today and use offer code BEER2021 to save 20% on dues now through December 31st, 2021. Master Brewers. United we brew. Now back to the show. Okay, let's move on to the Turpin Alls. Uh, what did you observe there? What was very interesting uh, is that we observed uh, high concentrations of uh, linalool, 
even higher in in every dry hop beer we we had before so we have the beer number one was about 2000 uh, ppb and the uh, other threshold for lina leol is um you can have it also 10 ppb so this is uh yeah quite over and um then we had the the geraniol which um is more floral than citrus um um terpene alcohol but uh we need the geraniol to produce the beta citronellol which we also detected in our beers and this is um the reason why we use the hop um, during the active fermentation and the geraniol can um can be converted to beta citronellol which is um which has a citrusy um, impression and the um the highest concentration for citronellol we had in the beer number 7 this was um, a beer which was produced in our pilot plant here in Mainburg uh, with only one hop variety. This was the hop variety Sultana and um, we had about 100 ppbs for this beer. And um, also others like um, number two with um, almost 90 ppb um, is, was very high in comparison to dry hop beers of, uh, with other beer styles. Okay, so very, very, very high compared to the typical ranges of uh, beta citronol in in West Coast style IPAs, right? Yeah, it is. Okay, and this is indeed indeed a kind of marker compound for New England IPAs, I would say, uh, because this is unusual, such a high concentration, and you only can get it if you have a high cherniol variety uh, used in your recipe. Yeah, and, and it seems like um, if you look at geraniol versus beta citronol, it, it seems like there was a, a lot more biotransformation in some of the beers versus others, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, um, which, it yes. could be the could be a lot of things. It could be the yeah. yeast, it could be the yeah. hop variety, it could be the timing of the yeah. hop addition. Who knows? It, probably Maybe temperature. The, oh, yeah. Uh, Probably the yeast has ma main influence, but of course you need the precursor. In this case, the geraniol uh, coming from the hops. So you have to use uh, hops high in geraniol. And it was very interesting. We, it is not, not uh, presented in this paper, but I, this paper is based on my uh, oral presentation at the ASPC meeting in 2019. I think this was a ASPC meeting, not, not a summit. Uh, and uh, in this uh, presentation, I had included one slide uh, coming from this uh, beer, from this New England IPA produced in, in our pilot brewery here in Mainburg. It's a five hectolitre pilot brewery we, we, we have installed here. And we used a hop variety, Sultana. It's from our US uh, Hopsteiner breeding program. And this is very low in thiols. And nevertheless, we reached a typical fruity, uh, citrusy New England IPA, and we could uh, detect uh, a high citronol concentration in the end. And so this okay. was an, an extreme trial. It was only a single hopped beer, and uh, it uh, uh, showed uh, also the typical New England IPA character. Maybe this okay. is then also a point of discussion when we come to the thiols how important they are. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. And these, um, the monoterpene alcohols, uh, the recovery rate was extremely high for these compounds, right? Yes, they were, they were, um, solved in, in the beer and, um, weren't influenced by the haze, um, there. Okay. But All this right. is something that, that could be expected before. It, sure. It was verified, of course, with this, uh, uh centrifugation, but this was not, not a, not a big surprise. Not a big surprise. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, let's have a look at the esters and ketones. Uh, what are the takeaways there? So the amounts of the esters and ketones um, are um, comparable with um, dry hop beers with a West Coast style. And um, if you use higher hop dosage, you can, you can have a higher amounts of this hop-derived um, esters and ketones. And um, often we are above the other threshold, um, which is uh, 100 for the 3-methylbutyl isobutyrate and 78 for the 2-methylbutyl isobutyrate. They um, smell fruity. Um, it's um, it's different to or it it is different describing um, the aroma impression. Sometimes it's um, like um, I don't know how how to describe maybe it, but pineapple it's, it's, maybe it's, or no? Um, it's not really pineapple. It's it's more the overall fruity. I don't know the um, the the single descriptions. Okay. Mm, yeah. Tropical, maybe. Maybe yeah. more m more tropical, but um, the amounts were high. But the um, the amount is also depending on the hop variety you use. So this sure. is what we can obs observe um, in also in this beer. So it wasn't um, a big different uh, difference between um, the West Coast and the uh, Naipas. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, anything else on esters and ketones? Again, a, a very good proof of principle or proof because they are more middle polar and their recovery rates were between the very polar uh, monoterpene alcohols and the and the very non-polar um, terpenes so right. uh, it was a, a, a nice uh, result in the end it confirmed the expectation all right Okay, and, and finally, let's talk about the hot topic that we can't seem to get away from, thiols, as you alerted, alluded to earlier. Um, when, we, uh, when we look at the thiols in, in the samples that you analyzed, uh, 4 MMP was present in amounts much higher than its sensory threshold, but the story was a little bit different for 3MH and 3MHA. Talk about that. It was it was a surprise to us, uh, as you uh, or we, because in literature uh, both compounds are described to be present in most of the dry hop beers, but uh, the concentrations were rather low for the three MH, and we did not detect or VLB did not detect the the acetate of it, and uh, the acetate has a lower threshold. Uh, or the threshold than the than the free form, uh, and so the aroma contribution of three MH uh, and its acetate, of course, could not be confirmed in in our study. So, is it safe to conclude that three MH and three MHA are just not really part of the New England IPA profile, or is it not that simple? Maybe it has to do with the uh, analytical method. Of course, we uh, 
decided or selected uh, the VLB la uh, lab because uh, we know the people there. We know the group of uh, Dr. Redberg, Niels Redberg. And uh, I think it was maybe even at the same uh, ASBC meeting when he presented uh, his new uh, uh, analytical method for the thiols. Uh, it's an on-fiber derivatization and then actually a measurement with GCMSMS. And we, in our, our equipment is only GCMS. So we have no MSMS device here for for pest for for aroma compounds analysis, uh, and uh, he has demonstrated and shown results that that looked very well. And uh, I I would say before uh, concluding, this compound doesn't play any role. We have uh, it should be verified maybe, or it should have been verified by two yeah. or three other labs. Because uh, the, the, the data you see in the literature are always based on, on, on different methods. So maybe, maybe you should, one should be careful. Sounds good. Um, I guess also, um, I'm curious, to what extent do you think there are other important thiols present in these beers that we just can't measure yet? Yeah, when I go through the literature, it's, it, you always come to these three uh, uh, compounds. Maybe one more that is more uh, typical for for uh, the Nelson Sauvage variety, with this uh, Sauvignon Blanc aroma. But this is this is these are the, the the compounds you you can you can find in the literature. So it 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 was uh, yeah it. It was a logical approach to to, to analyze them, uh, but the four MMP, I, I for me or Christina and me, I think we 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 consider four MMP, let's say, as a lead component for this uh, type of of compounds, and uh, so measuring four MMP gives you a good a good picture. One other thing is that the 3MH you can also it can also come from the malt. So if um, you would like to see the influence of uh, the hop variety, so it is um, maybe the the main um, compound is the 4MMP, as, uh, as Martin said. And maybe one one other point, Christina, because uh, we did a study on on hop varieties, so hop samples. I saw raw hops or mainly pellet samples of, of different varieties. And this was a study or the, the according analysis was done at the Technical University in Munich, Wein Stefan, at the group of Professor Steinhaus. And he also could not um, detect, he, he found 4-MMP in some in the typical varieties, mainly from the, the US uh, flavor varieties. This was confirmed, but he could not detect uh, 3MH and uh, 3MHA. Uh, and therefore, we were not, not fully surprised uh, uh, not to see these compounds uh, here in this, in this uh, beers. So we, have, we had some hints that they may have maybe overestimated uh, by some other analysis methods. But it's a speculation. I would never say that's, that's proven. Dr. May has talked about how the polarity of these compounds determines whether they end up in the beer versus the haze, and everything you've reported here essentially verifies that. Is there anything you'd like to mention in that regard, um, and how can a brewer use that information to his or her advantage? 
Okay, yeah, I, I would say it, it is a nice confirmation of the conclusion of John Paul May uh, that the nonpolar compounds are absorbed to the haze. And this is not only the case for the bitter compounds, but it is proven now also for the aroma compounds. Nevertheless, you, there, there are uh, high concentrations of the aroma compounds or uh, even after haze removal. But of course, for a for a customer, it doesn't matter. He he has the, the, the beer as it is. And uh, Christina and me, we were also discussing uh, with this high concentrations, you would expect or you would you could have expected much higher herbal impressions, for example, aroma impressions, because of the high immersing concentration. And uh, so maybe this is our conclusion that uh, when we do our analysis, we um, we have a, the beer. The sample is in the in the headspace vial uh, uh, and heated up at at eighty degrees, eight zero degrees. And uh, so you have some release to the headspace of, of the Myrcene, for example. But if you taste your or drink your beer in a, in a pub, you have not 80 degrees, but only 20 degrees. And so maybe less or very low of this Myrcene, Caroline, uh, and, 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 and humulin compounds are, are actually released. Uh, and this is this has a strong influence on the on the aroma impression, and uh, so in the end, this this non-polar compounds uh, herbal herbal compounds they they show not really a contribution to the to the to the or the herbal character is not identified in this in this uh, fears. Do you okay. know what what I mean? So yeah, I do. this no, is this is interesting. interesting to see. Yeah, it is. You have high yeah. concentrations, factor of one hundred above the threshold. But why don't right. you smell so much of it? And this is because we analyzed it. Sample preparation was eighty degrees, so it's there. This we know. Right. We we need this high temperature to get a, a reliable recovery at the end. But uh, the sensory uh, uh, you, you you do in the in the, in, in the pub. Uh, is at a lower temperature, and okay. this is this is again a factor by this, yeah, the the correlation between analytical data and 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 sensory, in the in the practical uh, surrounding is 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 not given. Nevertheless, uh, analysis is always yes suitable and helpful for for controlling your your beer production, of course. No, if you always if you want to reproduce your your beer. From uh, one uh, um, brew to another, it's helpful to to have these analytical capabilities. Absolutely. Yeah. The the good thing for the sensory is is also if you um, if you say the New England IPA, it's also called the um, juicy IPA. This is what your uh, aroma impression is. So you you have the uh, fruity and citrusy um, impression as uh, as a first, and um, you don't have to to um, consider the the herbal part so it's uh, you can you can add uh, a lot of hops um, during the active fermentation and at the end you have a high immersion concentration but for the sensory um evaluation it's not so um it's not so important to have a, a lower amount of myrcene because often you, you want to have the more fruity and juicy and less um, herbal or maybe spicy so that's 
it's what you you can have if you um, if you produce this beer style. Okay, I like it. And maybe can, can I give one more comment? Maybe yes, you may. maybe the styles. Um, sure. I, I I think we think the 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 styles are not not. You have you have if you mentioned it uh, yourself. You have also concentrations much much higher than the thresholds. So, and if the threshold is, um, or you are above the threshold by a factor of 500 or, 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 or 1000, does, doesn't matter, maybe. And in the end, in the, in the whole bouquet of, of several compounds, uh, these styles, the absolute concentrations of this, of these styles seem not to play a, a, a big role. And this is an, maybe an important information because we know styles are not very stable. So you, right. you, uh, they are they are uh, deteriorated during during storage, and uh, this is maybe not not the, the big concern here. So because the aroma is not driven by the by the by the thiols, and uh, the terpenols term, terpene alcohols are much are much more more stable. And maybe one comment that you are not confused, John, and uh, or I think we confused you because the <laughs> the. The beer, the beer that we produced in our pilot brew, is not covered in the in the paper. Okay, Christina, it's not. We, ah, uh, it's not. We, oh, okay. No, it's not. No, because I I decided it's maybe it's it's too much to to to, to have this uh, additional information, and therefore it's really this is a beer without with a, with a single hop variety. Uh, without any thiols, and uh, it has a high citron oil concentration, uh, and uh, it it has a typical uh, fruity uh, aroma. And Christina, you remember we 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 we, we served this beer at our booth at the brow at the brow exhibition. You you know this brow exactly, exhibition exactly. Yeah. And I, I think 300 tasters uh, are volunteered to participate, and the, the feedback was, yeah, fruity, fruity, yeah. typical New England IPA. And this is a nice, uh, may, maybe we, 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 we will follow up the study. Uh, uh, that that you, 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 get, you get this impression, this aroma, the typical aroma impression without even thiols. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely worth looking into more. Because um, you were also asking what compounds are maybe most important, and I would guess the the the, the, the citron roll is a good a good marker. Okay, this is at least a hypothesis. I I would uh, I would uh, state. All right, um, you talked about just a minute ago how you know thiols deteriorate with age. Uh, that's a good segue because you also looked at how all of these compounds hold up uh, held up over time. Uh, during storage, do you want to comment on that? Yes, in the end, we found a, a, a typical um, pattern of deterioration as compared to regular pale ales or to also to pilsner beers, dry hop pilsner beers. We investigated uh, so far, and also some data uh, of these studies are already published. The terpene alcohols are pretty stable. No deterioration uh, after three or six months, uh, and uh, the, the the terpenes and the uh, or the monoterpenes and the sesquiterpenes are 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 less stable or or have the lowest stability. 
and the thyros as well are not are very low in stability and the esters and ketones are in in between overall which compounds did the new new england ipas have a lot more of versus west coast ipa all (laughs) 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 that's that's true but there are some that were a lot more than no yeah yeah mainly the actually really mainly the the non-polar ones this is very typical um and even after removal of the haze or after the haze was removed in the liquid phase you had even higher or let's say comparable concentrations to average ipa west coast ipa beers yeah so you had an example where there was um a centrifuge New England IPA that had pretty much the same amount of mercine as a West Coast IPA without centrifugation. Yeah. yeah. So the the, the correl- or we, we have averaged uh, the values of the six uh, New England IPAs we covered in this study with another range uh, or set of seven West Coast IPAs. And uh, before centrifugation, let's say the, the difference factor between mercine concentration in the New England IPA and in the West Coast IPA, the average was close to seven. So seven times more myrcene in average in the New England IPAs versus the, the IPAs. And after centrifugation, the factor was 1.0. And, and again, the, the, the citronellol is also uh, uh, outstanding. It's a factor. It, it is not removed uh, by centrifugation. And the factor is uh, higher than three, the difference factor. Uh, and this is uh, very high. That was Christina Schmidt and Martin Bendel here on the Master Brewers podcast. I highly recommend checking out the article they published in the Master Brewers Technical Quarterly earlier this year. You can, of course, find a direct link to that article in the show notes. And don't forget that it's not too late to submit your own abstract for a presentation or poster at the 2021 Master Brewers Conference in Cleveland. If you ran trials at your brewery, if you did something innovative, experienced a major victory, or just solved a problem that another brewer might benefit from hearing about, why not put together a poster or a presentation for the next conference? I can't wait to see what you come up with. Maybe we can even talk about it here on the show. Check the show notes right now for a link on how to get started. I joined District Mid-Atlantic back when it was dominated by large breweries and I was often one of the only craft brewers in attendance. I'm so glad I joined. That membership has been incredibly impactful to my career and I've made so many lifelong friends from those meetings. If you're not already a member, I highly encourage you to join. And there's no time like the present because new members can use promo code BEER2021 or the link in the show notes to save 20% on dues. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Brew Ninja, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Thank you.